Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry, and we have more questions on parenting. So we think all of these will be fairly quick. Uh, some of them we're going to actually use to encourage you to keep listening because we have some future podcasts that will deal with it. So we're just going to jump right into the ones that we selected. Uh, the very first one is uh, could you do a podcast on sleep training, please? <laughs> you get the sense that's a woman yeah. there, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, short answer is yes, um, but we're gonna. So we're gonna try and set it up where we do some interviews with some uh, some families from the church uh, who are in different levels of parenting. Yeah, uh, every young. one of these have been taught what yeah. we spend all these podcasts. They all have been through all of this. They're all applying it. Yeah, so we, I mean, these episodes have mostly been principles with yeah. some examples, but I, I don't know, maybe it'd be helpful for people to hear uh, how some other people have implemented this practically. Uh, and so we'd, we'd like to be able to bring them on the podcast and just do a couple kind of uh, interview type of episodes. Yeah, husband and wife teams. And so one of them, uh, I know for a fact that they have faithfully applied some of the things that we've taught over the years on and helping their kids sleep through the night. I think the norm, it's been years since I had a kid that small, but I believe the norm, if you practice this faithfully, uh, your child is sleeping through the night in eight weeks. Um, and I, all I remember was when Kim, Kim and I did that shoot, you know, what, 30 years ago plus, 30 plus years ago. And I remember that, you know, she was always tired, especially after the second, third, fourth child year, you know, because you got little ones right. too. And and I always knew the night that the kids slept through the night because I'd wake up and I'd walk out and find my wife and she'd give me a sweet smile. And I said, ah, you know, little, little, little pumpkin slept through night. And she's like, yes, she did. And she just was a different person. She wasn't sleep deprived anymore. And, and that was just so sweet, but it was usually right about eight weeks. Um, if I correct, and I hope my wife won't yell at me and say, you idiot, it was 89 months, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, it's a very simple process. There's no, there's no Bible verse behind it, but there's a biblical principle behind it. So we will do a podcast on that, and but it's going to come out when we ask the, a husband and wife, specifically the wife, okay, so how, explain what you do, and, and I think she can do that better than two guys who really aren't doing it. I mean, yeah, right? Uh, yeah. So... Yeah. That's a non-answer answer, but look for it. We'll, we're hoping to get that scheduled up here. Uh, next one, I'll, I'll give this one. It's kind of a long one. Um, and I have lots of questions about how to do this successfully, this parenting. Um, but I'll start with one that's come to mind as we have been working through how to teach your kids about obedience, what it means to obey, how to obey, when they really don't want to, and why obedience is important. Here's, here's the core question. My question is this, 
Do you have any tips or suggested language for explaining to kids at these ages the idea, and they're little, they're like two, three, and five, I think it is. Um, At these ages, the idea that sin is wrong because it's disobedience of what God commands without causing their limited minds to resent God or view him as an unreasonable despot. I like that. Um, It's hard for him, he goes on to say, uh, it's hard for them to understand at these young ages that God gives us rules for our good, that obeying God keeps us within his blessing. Um, I'll admit that part of the problem may be my own self-maturing or still maturing understanding of these topics. Either way, we want our kids to learn to obey us and to obey God without feeling like mom and dad are always pulling the because God says so card which can feel to a kid not much better than because I said so. So you want to start off with that? Yeah. Uh, well, there's a lot there. Yeah, um, yeah. And there's some assumptions in this question as well. Um, I guess if they're that young, two, three, and five, you said? Yeah, uh, thereabouts. Yeah, I would challenge some of the assumptions in this question, um, such as, you know, can feel to a kid not much better than, quote, because I said so. The, the assumption there is because I said so is a bad thing. Um, and so my question, who's ever asking this question is, why is that a bad thing? Um, I think that's a very good answer uh, in, in many ways in the very beginning. Um, because again, what are you trying to do? You're, you're, you're simply establishing your authority and getting them to hear your voice. Um, you don't have to have a finely crafted argument or rationale that you need to give to the kid for why they should obey you. They should obey you because you're mom or dad. In uh, fact, at that age, and because you said so, yeah, it doesn't really matter, yeah, why, um, yeah, I would come home and find maybe Kim debating with one of our children, even as they got older, you know, and she'd get pulled into debate, and I would just interrupt and say, "Stop, what did you ask? Well, they were supposed to clean the room, and she's frustrated, the kid's frustrated, and I said, "So why haven't you cleaned the room and they, and now comes the long explanation. I said, "No, stop." It's a very simple process here. Mom said it. You go do it. Yeah. Why are we having this argument? You obey. And because at that point, something's broken in their thinking, right? They're like, I, I can yeah, debate you, mom. No, you can't. Yeah, you, you don't <laughs> obey because it's a reasonable directive. You obey because mom or dad said so. And if your response is, yeah, well, God doesn't give us unreasonable things. It's like, well, boy, you're going to have to sell that one to Ezekiel then. Yeah. Right? Who? <laughs> <laughs> Go sleep on your left side for a year. <laughs> yeah. Then roll over. Just because. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I would just add, a, it, there is a point in which, uh, you know, they're going to want to know why, but you're going to be teaching that throughout their life and throughout the days, not in the moment of the of giving them the directive. Um and so here at this early age, again, what is your goal? Just getting them to listen to you and because you say so. Right. And, and showing them blessing and obedience. Their life is pleasant, full of praise, gifts, enjoyment, peace, and, and their life is hard when they disobey. And, and, and it's not rocket science. This is basic stuff that your child needs to come to grips with. And the sooner you get that through them, uh, through their heads, the better off you're going to be. Because then as they get older and they do need explanations and you need to instruct them um you have their ear they're not fidgeting disobeying arguing fighting rolling their eyes you know they're actually calm and i mean i i watch you with your your son and daughter i mean how old's levi 
Three. Three? Yeah, but you can get him to listen to you. You can talk to him, and it's only three. Yeah. Um, but, but it makes life a lot more peaceful. You go into a home like that, and it's a peaceful home. Um, I, I think that you, you don't, I think you're afraid. I think he's kind of projecting his adult thinking sure. backwards onto the kids. Like somehow if we give rules that um, they're going to then correlate that, that's God and say, well, this is what God commands, that he'll, he's a despot. Well, he, he is in one sense. He is the absolute ruler, um, and he has expectations that you will obey, and if you don't obey, starting with obeying by faith in the gospel, you will be in hell. So there is that aspect that God is uh, a ruler, and he, he has that right and authority, and he, in fact, instructs us. I think maybe, though, he might, him and his wife might want to sit down and ask, how often are we just making rules versus how often are we making rules flowing from the principle that you and I talked over and over again on? The two, the two commands in the New Testament is obey and honor. Mm-hmm. Um, is this showing honor or respect? No. Then we discipline. But we don't discipline because it's the pots and pans. We show that we're not respecting mom's things. Right. Um, or did they obey? No. Then you're disciplined. Not, it doesn't matter how fun you were doing or anything else. It, you're, the thing that you're getting disciplined is for you've transgressed. And you're preparing them for the gospel because they need to come to grips that, wow, I have transgressed God's law. I have, con- I have dishonored God. These are the great sins. It's, it's not that I stole. That, that's bad. But I stole. And the reason I stole is because God calls it stealing. And so it's God who I've, I've offended. I've gone past his boundary markers. And you're, as mom and dad, the ones establishing those boundary markers. Right. Yeah, and, and then the, the command given, especially to fathers, is don't exasperate uh, your children, uh, meaning stay consistent. There's nothing more frustrating and exasperating than when you're constantly changing standards and yes. expectations. Yes. That That's the unreasonableness. Yeah. Uh, it's, not, it's not the command in and of itself that, that is unreasonable. It's when it's always changing on them. And that's frustrating. And the kid can sense that when dad's had a bad day at work and he comes home and he now takes it out on you, those kids can, they know it. Um, and, and when mom's not happy, then the house is not happy. No. Um, so you're right. You're right. Establishing yeah, reasonable, consistent. I, 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 I tell parents all the time, if if you discipline nine out of ten times, your child will. He's willing to risk discipline to get that one time. It it, just so early on, just it it is what it is, and and this is what again gets into parenting where. And this falls so often with mom, but also on the weekends and evenings when dad's home. Um, when, when you are disciplined when it's convenient um, and, and you feel like it, then your child is now in control of that household. But, but when they see um, that it doesn't matter how inconvenient it is, it doesn't matter if dad, dad's got a golf game and he's got tea time reserved. So, you know, I don't have time for this. Um, they'll play that. They'll, they'll work it. They'll, that, it's not shocking why kids will disobey right before dad leaves or just before church. Or they'll, I remember one of my daughters flat out 
openly rebelled at a restaurant. And she did it with a waitress right there. And it's like, oh, you little creep. And But she she was thinking, I can, I can work this. What she really did was got a trip out to the car where we kept a whacker. <laughs> I opened up, come apart, took her pants down and, and, and dealt with that. And we went back. She sought forgiveness. She was like three years old. She sought the forgiveness of the waitress who had no idea what to do with that. And we, then we had a very peaceful meal. But what, what you don't want them to learn is that during inconvenient times, I can get by with this. Again, consistency is it's key. Right. I would just, and just to reiterate, I don't think you should ever feel bad or have to apologize for owning your role. Uh, so oh, just, that's, just that's an excellent. Just point. married somebody again. I don't know. Last week or the week before, and meaning you performed the wedding. What did I say? Well, you married someone. I know what you mean, but it sounds like you're now married to someone. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Context is king. <laughs> um. So, and you know the the order that that. <laughs> <stopped>. <laughs> The exhortation that we always give to the women is that you are to respect your husband, um, not because necessarily he's respectable, hopefully he is, but there's going to be plenty of times where he's not, um, rather you to respect him because of his God-given position in yeah. the home. Same thing here. Children ought to obey you, not because you can offer them a finely tuned, well-crafted, reasonable argument. They should obey you because your mom or dad, and by virtue of that delegated authority from God... You can say because I said so, yep. and that is sufficient. It's it's more than sufficient. Uh, let, let me hasten to add one other thing. Not that just because I know how people think in our society today, it also means husbands that when your wife is not acting lovable, <laughs> right? Excellent point. Yeah, yes. uh, I, you know, many a husband nudging the right. See, see, you gotta respect me, and. Um, just because your wife's not acting in a loving or lovable manner doesn't mean you're now exempt from loving her as Christ loves the church. You will and are to do so. So, uh, you're, and, and we could go on and on with this question because it has so many. Uh, <laughs> yeah, while things. we were yet sinners, yeah. in hostile of mind, he died for us. Uh, but when you show that you obey God willingly, joyfully, and consistently, um, and your and and their mother obeys God or whoever it is who's listening. You're you're modeling to the kids what you're demanding of them. What really exasperates a kid is when they're disciplined for lying, and they watch mom and dad lie. Uh, when they get disciplined for an outburst of anger, but mom and dad have outbursts of anger, um, and they, they and they never resolve that. They never see mom or dad become corrected and then seek forgiveness and repent. That kind of thing. Um, when they see that, if, if all they see is a rule, but they don't see a life lived by mom and dad under the sovereign hand of God, or as the Bible would call it, the mighty hand of God, um, again, you, you've got a battle on your hands. So I hope that helps. Yeah. Um, you want to do the next one? Yeah, let me, I'll ask this question. Um, this person asked, can you go over thoughts or guidance on two things? Number one, discipline for older children. Uh, what are best practices? And my kids, half of them are too old for spankings, but there is still a need for punishment uh, slash discipline um, of some sort. What do you advise? 
And then two, courting and dating. How do we teach it? My wife and I are in new territory with our children getting older. Yeah, and we, we, you and I both, of course, know who this is, and that's a real issue. Um, first one, we I think we've talked enough on our our podcast about dealing with the older child discipline, but simply put, at that point, it's going to be a rebuke and a correction. Uh, it might be a loss of privilege. It might be you know, extra chores, something like that. Uh, but at this point now, at the age of, well, with this guy, his two oldest, definitely, um, he, it's a lot more sitting them down and speaking to them because they, they are obedient children. They're, they're, they, they do honor him. They do honor mom. Uh, and so you're going to, but they're just, they need that correction. And so I would actually tell them, hey, think about how we have taught him because we know him personally. Um, and if maybe he oversteps himself, do we, we don't launch, right? We, we sit down, we say, look, we're disappointed, this and that. And, and you need to, you need to correct these things and it's enough. And so, um, that's what you're going to be doing with your older kids. Um, the courting and dating, we're actually going to do a, a short series on that. Um, because, uh, ever since the apostasy of Joshua Harris, the writer of I Kiss Dating Goodbye, um, it now beca- has become really a popular thing to just roll your eyes and mock the idea of courtship um, and what's wrong with dating and blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> and the so-called purity culture. Right, the purity culture. Um, yeah, what the, you know, people wearing the, we, we've had purity contracts. I mean, the Southern Baptists have had them all where the kids sign a purity contract or you wear a wedding ring, uh, cause I'm married to Jesus. Um, and that's, and so I'm going to stay pure. And it, these are all <laughs> tricks. Um, and they're, and, well, and they're evil in certain they, ways. Right. And they never achieve what they're going to achieve we hope they're going to achieve but how do we deal with courtship or dating have you ever thought about we're going to actually talk about that um yell at us if you don't see a podcast in the near future Uh, we've got a million podcasts that we need to write but that's one that would have naturally go hand in hand with the parenting so we'll work that through and and we'll talk about because all of my uh children courted um and we learned good things and bad things. We we discovered stuff, but I think it's fruitful. So uh, just be looking for that one. And then you want to do the last one? Sure. Uh, this person asked, what uh, what discipline or what maybe what should discipline look like for Sorry, we're reading the actual <laughs> sentence, yeah. and sometimes they didn't prove. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what should discipline look like for different ages and how to approach biblical parenting when only one parent is on board? Uh, for well, two parts of that question. First part, what does it look like for different ages? Uh, we've just talked about that. Yeah. Um, and in short, we would say, just go back and listen to all these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, just over and over again, we're, we're just we're addressing that. And I, I honestly would tell people, though, if you think you've mastered parenting because you listened to this once, you haven't. Um, it is worth going back. One of the things I think best about pastoring is how often I'm having to remind others because it's right, you do. I th- I'll just use pre- premarital since you just performed a wedding, um, not married. Them. Right, 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 yeah, right. See how I did that. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> you're gonna hit me. Um, but I, you, you, 
do you not find yourself Every being time. reminded yeah. what you need to do better in your own home? Yeah. yeah. You're taking them through the book. You're, you're talking, admonishing them, correcting things. And, and there are times we're in, but back in my mind, I'm like, got to go home and yeah, I need to seek forgiveness <laughs> yeah. from Kim. Yeah. Um, and it's, but it's a good thing. And, I, I've been through that book, I don't know how many times now. Um, it's a book by Doug Wilson called Reforming Marriage. It's actually for married people, but it's a great one for a premarital. Um, and it talks about principles. And so keep going through these things, play these things, especially when you're frustrated and you're ready to shoot one of your children. That might be fine. Go find that podcast or two and listen. Uh, the second one is uh, a bigger issue. What? How would you respond to that? Uh, dealing when you have one parent who's on board. Yeah, um, yeah, and there's uh, that, that's always a challenging one, and each situation is going to be different. Yeah, um, and yeah. it's going to depend if it's the father or if it's the mother, as well. Um, it, and each has its weaknesses and challenges. Yeah, yep. I I tend to think. I mean, if it's a if it's a woman. I mean, I just keep thinking of Paul's exhortation when it comes to even just marriage of um, just that, that quiet, gentle spirit. Whose exhortation? Paul's. Peter. <laughs> I promise I went to seminary. <laughs> and I promise I just did premarital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, First Peter um, 3. Yeah, you're right. Um, I know I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, if, if you're going to try... Uh, controlling that home, you're already going about it wrong. It, yeah. You're going to f- function in some capacity as the spiritual head and leader, but um, you're going to just be limited by virtue of there's only one E on board, especially if you're the woman. Um, so you got to seek to be faithful as you can. Uh, you can't control your husband. You can't control what he does or doesn't do. And you need to appeal to him, say, hey, this is how I think is wise to approach this. Would you be willing to... What are your thoughts, you know? But with a gentle heart, and if you think that that, if I do it, then God has to honor and make my husband change his mind, you don't understand what Peter's commanding. But also realize that a lot of times a wife will nag their husband Mm -hmm. and try to guilt him and manipulate him to get on board and and then wonder why God doesn't bless that. It's like you're not doing this. And don't underestimate your model. I mean, your children are always watching so if you're trying to tell them or teach them a certain way, but then they are seeing you do the opposite in your own life, you're preaching to them a very poor sermon. Yeah. Um, and so much louder one too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So again, there should be consistency between your message to them and then your life as you live it out before them. So and, I would just say start there. And and never forget Paul writing to Timothy, and he says, you know, Timothy had an unbelieving father, a Gentile father. And his mother and his grandmother raised him on the scripture, um, and and he came to faith. And so, never underestimate the power of just that faithful instruction. I would I, I'm getting more and more into thinking how, especially how valuable catechizing your child, um, especially in a in a single parent home or 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 an unequally yoked home, where that can become very valuable. I mean, if you're the father. Um, you can't control what your wife's doing if she's a stay-at-home mom, but she's a non-believer. You can't control any of that. You got to go to work, but you can control dinner table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you come home or breakfast table, and and begin to just instruct your kids in the catechism. Um, you know what is the chief end of man? 
to love him and glorify him, right? So there you go. And, and you begin to talk about that, what that looks like. You're actually evangelizing your wife. Um, it's, the one thing most women do is they love their children. They don't know maybe how that works, but they see a father who's engaged in the lives of their parents, uh, of their children, and, and she respects that. Um, and uh, the flip side, if you're home and you got these children and your husband's going off to work, to, again, to instruct, to read them the word, to pray with them, to, to talk about them, the things of the Lord. But this requires you to know. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, again, the biggest problem most parents have is that they're not godly parents. And that's our very first podcast, Godly Parents Needed. You will never have your children rise above you. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing. Become serious about your faith. Stop giving excuses for everything that hinders that growth in faith, and then apply that in your day-to-day life. So those are our answers for this uh, episode. We hope that these also help you, and we have more that we have to do, plus those interviews. So continue to listen. Uh, you know the, the riff. We don't have it written out. Share with what you want on the social media that's that is key though um like and share rate us and also tell a friend (music) 